Welcome to the Brevard Christian Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you with sermons, stories, and interviews that will challenge you to grow in your faith as we take steps closer to Him. Enjoy. Uh, It's good to be with you guys today. Good morning, church. I just got to say, you know, the um, I'm encouraged. I, I really appreciate the band so much. Uh, th- today, the music leader got sick this morning, so they kind of had to rally together, and just stuff like that is such an encouragement. So, guys, thank you. Thank you so much. You've hit a special Sunday. Every so often, really about once a year, we like to have kind of a, gentlemen, this is a football, let's get back, let's, let's, let's remind ourselves who we are, what we're doing here kind of Sunday, and that is what today is. It's sort of like a, a meeting, a debriefing on the church, and so they've asked me to do that again this year, and I'm so thankful I get to, I get to do that. So that's what I want to cover today. If you want a scripture to go to, we're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 16 for a little bit. Matthew 16 verses 13 through 18, but I want to, it's important, especially if you're newer here, you kind of need to know what kind of church you've gotten yourself into. You know what I mean? You don't want to find out too late, and I have good news for you. We don't pass around snakes here. We're not one of those. Now, in the kids' area, that's different, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, we're not one of those, you know, pass around the snakes, let's have faith that you won't get bit kind of, no, we, we don't do that. Where do we come from? Well, historically, and some of you on the website have seen this, But it's important to know, we have a Foundations 101 class that I'm I'm going to be asking you to attend, if you haven't already, where we go into greater detail on this. But if you want to look back at where this church came from, well, you got to go way back in history to Jesus. Jesus started the church, right? There's only one real church, and it's Christ's church. There are all sorts of others out there, but that's, you know, the, the real thing is the one we find in the Bible. And historically, they stayed true to Christ's church for the first few hundred years of the church until things started to go south. That huge period of history we have, you know, a thousand plus years, that would be the Dark Ages, right? We know about the Dark Ages. And what made the Dark Ages so dark? Well, I would say one big, big factor is people didn't really have access to the Bible. People weren't really following the Bible. You remember that that period of history, there was a lot of corruption going on. The, the, the church at that time kind of withheld scripture from the people and said, now we'll read it to you, we'll interpret it for you, we'll tell you what it says. And so you go through this dark period of history where they were adding all sorts of stuff, demanding all sorts of things that weren't in the Bible until you hit the 1500s. Roughly the 1500s, you've got reformers, right? You have what is known as the Protestant Reformation. Now, Protestant, protesting, right? What were they protesting? They were protesting the way the church had gotten off track, right? Because throughout the years, it had gotten so, so far. And who was it? Well, a lot of the early guys were monks. A lot of them, they were the ones that actually had a copy of Scripture, actually knew how to read it. And they're reading it, and they're thinking, wait a minute. That's not what the church leaders are teaching. This is different in the Bible. Hey, why, why aren't we doing what the Bible says? So, you know, you know a lot of names. People like Martin Luther and others stood up to the church at that time and said, hey, we need to fix this. That's what began this reformation, right? Try to fix it. And in the process of them trying to reform, that's where we get the birth of a lot of different denominations, right? Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal. Uh, you, You can go right on down the line. You've got all sorts of these denominational groups coming out of this trying to form 
the correct church, at least a more biblical one. Unfortunately, it got so busy, it got, it got so, so much that today, how many different denominations do you have to choose from? I mean, how many different churches are there out there? Man, there, there's a handbook of today's denominations, just a handbook that describes like a page or two or less on each one. And that thing is thicker than the Bible. Well, it's about as thick as the Bible if you want to look at it. it is, there's just so, so many options out there. This is kind of hard because if someone wants to, to, to find God, if someone wants to connect with God's people and they think, well, I need, to, I need to go to church. That's where I would help meet God and meet his people. So I'm going to, well, which one are they going to go to? Where are they going to end up? I started looking online to see some of the more interesting churches out there. I want to read some church names, real churches in, in the United States, okay? There is the Flippin' Church of God. Flippin'. You see, there's this county in Georgia called Flippin' County, and I feel like they should have thought through the name of that, because then you got the Flippin' Police, you got the Flippin' Church. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it just sounds a little weird. It sounds a little weird. Here's another one. Hellhole Swamp Baptist Church. Okay. I didn't know this was a real thing, but Guided Missiles Church. Yeah, real thing. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Here it is. Little Hope Baptist Church. Hmm, Little Hope Baptist Church. All right, Weedville United Methodist Church. Ooh, chill, very chill at Weedville over there. Um, oh, how about this one? Bethlehem Fire Baptized Holiness Church of God of the Americas. Uh, abbreviation, B-F-B-H-C-G-T-A. Yeah, last but not least, we have Riding with Christ Cowboy Church. I mean, you understand the confusion here, right? Someone wants to get close to God, but, well, wait, is... Apparently, this isn't all the same. You're right, it's not the same. It's not the same. So we come from a period of history, if you will, if we were going to identify as something, it would be this later period, late 1800s, probably early 1900s, right around there, where there were a number of guys from various denominations, not all the same one, various denominations that were kind of at the same time saying, man, this church thing has gotten so divided, so out of whack, all these different options out there. Instead of trying to reform it, instead of trying to keep on doing this and splintering ourselves, why don't we restore the original? Why don't we go back to the, the one that Jesus started in the Bible? That's where we get this, this concept, this idea of a restoration movement, right? So they weren't trying to start new denominations or new groups. Unfortunately, historically, a lot of that happened. But insofar as they were trying to get back to the Bible, I am proud of that movement. And I want to tell you that's the movement we come out of. It doesn't mean that we're going to agree with everything that everyone in that movement did. No, we're humans. Humans make mistakes. But insofar as we are trying to go back to the church that Jesus established in the Bible, that's what we need to be doing, and that is who we are. So I want to talk about that church briefly today, and that's in Matthew, the 16th chapter. You're going to find the first reference in the Bible to the word church, the first reference in the New Testament, at least, using that word church. So here's what it says, starting in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Son of Man is a title for Jesus. Jesus is asking, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? 
Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Some translations say Christ. Christ and Messiah mean the same thing, the anointed one, the chosen one of God. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church in the gates of Hades will not come against it. So one of the earliest references we have in the Bible to the word church when you're reading it, and unfortunately also a confusing reference, a a reference that religious uh, Christianity has been divided on, okay? So what's going on here? Well, the name Peter, the name Peter, Petros, it means a rock, a stone, right? That's what the name means. And then, so Jesus says, ah, oh, Peter, Rocky, you know, if you want to call him that, right? Yeah, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And a lot of people think, oh, well, the name Peter means rock. So I guess that means the church must be somehow built on Peter. Maybe Peter was like a, a pope or something. Maybe he was the first pope in a line of popes. Okay, okay. First off, no, I don't believe Peter was the first pope. You, you have scripture in the book of Galatians where Paul is rebuking Peter because Peter is sinning. He's misbehaving. He's doing what he shouldn't do. And so Paul has to rebuke him. But more importantly than that, more significant than that, the the scripture, the New Testament wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. Now, I don't know Greek, but I know a thing or two about it. And I bet some of you've heard this too. In Greek, you have endings to words. You have gendered endings. So you would have masculine endings, you would have feminine endings, and you would have neuter endings, right? It helps you understand if I'm talking to a person, if I'm talking to a guy, then I would be using his name and I would be using it in the masculine to make it clear that, yeah, I'm talking about this person. But if I'm talking about an object like this podium, then I would be using the neuter form of the word, right? Because I'm not talking about a person, I'm talking about an object. Jesus, when he says, that's right, Rocky, on this rock I will build my church. It's in the neuter. It's in the neuter. It's not in the masculine. Jesus could have said, that's right, Peter, and on Peter, I'm going to build my church. But he didn't. He said, that's right, Rocky, that's right, Rock, yeah. And on this neuter, this object, I'm going to build my church. What object? What object? If it's not built on Peter, what is it built on? It's built on what Peter just got through saying. What did Peter just get through saying? You, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? Peter, that didn't come, that didn't come from you from some human, from flesh and blood. My Father in heaven revealed that to you. Yes, that fact, that rock. You see, Jesus is being punny here. He's playing on, he's doing a play on words on purpose. It's like, rock, that's right. Isn't that interesting, Rocky? And on that fact, that bedrock claim that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God, I am going to build my church. And what does it say about Christ's church? It says that in Christ, that Christ's church, the gates of Hades will not stand against it. Now, I don't know too much about ancient warfare, but I do know in Ephesians 6, you've got weapons that they used, right? So you have the sword, you have the shield, you've got breastplate, you've got belt, you've got helmet, right? Think ancient warfare. You're going into battle, you want to crush your enemies. Let me ask you a question. Would anyone carry gates into battle? Gates. 
I mean, you, you probably, some of you might have gates at your home. You got a fence or something like that. Do you pick those things up and cart them around with you? Like, well, got to bring my gates over here. And ooh, yeah, this looks good. No, gates are a stationary defensive object, right? You don't carry around gates, gates bash skulls. In the, no, they're a defensive thing. They're like walls in a city. They stay there trying to keep the bad people out or keep the enemy out. Does that make sense? That's what gates do. What did Jesus say about his church? It says the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. What does that suggest about you and I? If we are Christ's church, if we are a biblical church and we are Christ's church, what does it suggest that we are doing? We, Jesus through us, Jesus' church is storming the gates of Hades. Christian, you are not on the defensive in this world. You understand that? You are not just defending, hoping you survive this tough experience. You are on the offensive. You are the one taking it to the enemy. And Jesus said, oh, if that's my church, my church, the gates of the grave, the gates of Hades cannot stand against my church, against you and I when we are Jesus' church. See how significant that promise is? Do you see how significant we are if we stay on mission as a church? The gates of the grave can't prevail against it. So what is our mission? What are we doing here? I mean, if we want to be his church, what does that mean? That means we follow his mission. And you know what it is because we've said it so many times. Jesus came to them and said, this is from Matthew 28, verse 18 and following, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus clearly lays out the mission. It is a disciple-making mission. It is what we do to bring people closer to Jesus, to bring them to Jesus, and then to help them to get closer to Jesus and to reproduce that. You can boil down discipleship as we see it throughout the Bible into four major areas, areas that I like to picture as circles. It's just easier for me. First one is this idea of the sacred, the sacred what is this? This is the Bible. This is everything that we see in God's word. This is what too often gets left out in our religious world today. You've got to start with your foundation. That is God's word. What God says in his word is at another level. It's better than my ideas. It's better than your ideas. It is, it is sacred. So what does that mean? Why are we here today? Well, it's, it's in the early church, Acts 20, verse 7, they came together the first day of the week to break bread. So guess what we're going to do? We're coming together Sunday, first day of the week, and we're going to break bread. We're going to remember the sacrifice of Jesus in a time of communion because that's the example that we see in Scripture. Why do we have elders? Why do we have deacons? Why would we have an evangelist? Is it because we got together and thought about leadership trends and studied the market? No, no. It's because we found those examples in Scripture. That's what Scripture gave us, and so that's what we are going to do because it's his church. God's word is true, and we obey it even if we don't understand, and quite frankly, even if we may not agree with it. It doesn't matter because it's God, right? 
It's not man, it's God. So therefore, what God says, even if we don't fully comprehend, it's okay. He's God, we're not. So we're going to put that into practice in our lives. That's why I hope you hear a whole lot about the Bible and what God's Word teaches every time you're here. And I hope that's, that's growing in you personally as you read God's Word. And what does the Bible teach? It teaches this thing. I like to call it social outreach. You might have heard it referred to as evangelism. This is sharing the good news about Jesus with somebody else so that they can become Christians too, right? What do we want? We hope that this good news about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, conquering the grave, we hope that when that is preached, when that is given to an individual, to someone that you know, they will hear this good news, they will repent of their sins, they will, be, they will confess that Jesus is Lord and they will be buried in baptism into the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of God's spirit to live this new Christian life. That is what we do in trying to reach the lost because we want everyone to experience this wonderful gift of heaven. I hope you see, though, church is not some sort of a burial ground. All right, for too long and in too many places, a lot of times the church is like, oh yeah, we're going to bury you in baptism and then see you later and when it's time for you, you're dead, we'll bury you again. No, the, the church is a living, active place. Baptism is not pictured as the end-all, be-all. What is it pictured as? It's pictured as the new birth. When a baby is born, we've got a whole life ahead of us. We've got a lot of growing, a lot of developing, a lot of exciting things that are going to take place. And that's what we have here amongst ourselves and with the people that we're reaching out to. What happens when we've been reached with the good news of Christ? We get busy living the Christian life. And what does that life look like? Well, I'll boil it down to this. Serving. Just like Jesus, our master, the king of all, what did he choose to do? He chose to be humble, to be the servant of all. And so we are no better than him. We are going to humble ourselves and serve just like he did. And man, by the way, not only is this something that we need to do in order to follow the example of Jesus, our world is so deprived when it comes to serving. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed how we struggle with depression a lot? I mean, we, we've got more meds and more cures and more helps than ever before, and yet so many people are still having a hard time getting motivated, hard time struggling with depression, all these other things. One of the reasons why is we're not... We're not serving like we could. We're focusing so much on ourselves, and it's not a good thing to do for yourself. One of the best things you can do for yourself is to stop focusing on yourself. Help somebody else. Man, not only is it something that we do because of the example of Jesus that he tells us to, it's also good for us. It feels good. It makes you physically and mentally feel better when you go serve and meet needs, especially when they are kingdom needs. And last but not least, we have to continue to grow spiritually. This concept of spiritual growth ties it all together, and it's not easy. I will tell you this. It's very easy, perhaps, to, to jump into the faith, to be baptized into Christ, to claim this new promise, this new life, and that's wonderful. And then to kind of like, well, now I'm going to coast. But that's not Jesus' example. That's not what he's asked of us. He has asked us to grow. And what does grow mean? It means taking steps to get deeper in your walk, deeper in your faith. It means understanding God's word more. It means reaching more people with the gospel. It means serving even more, even when you're getting tired or it's getting a little boring or whatever. That's what it means. we got to keep this thing going. Man, 
It's not easy in Scripture, but the Bible makes it clear. This is James 5, I believe around verse 16. This is where God tells us, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I believe he's talking about specifically spiritual healing there. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. If we're going to continue to grow, we need to be in a good mentoring relationship with other Christians around us. We need to be in close relationship. Not in a crowd like this. A crowd like this is wonderful. I'm glad we're here. But you won't grow the same as if there's another person or two or three or four, a small group of people that know you, know what's going on in your life, and they are praying for you, and you are helping them, and you are praying for them. That's the kind of fellowship. That's the kind of relationship that we need to have in order to keep growing, because this world is going to take you down if you don't have that relationship that God intended for you. Does that make sense? So whether or not you attend an official small group or you just happen to naturally, organically have one, that's so important. You need those tight Christian relationships that are going to help you grow. Now I want you guys to see, it's easy for me to, to, to beat this down, to talk about how important this is, to emphasize it like we do all the time, but today I want to celebrate something with you. Because I want you to know, since probably 2020, 2021, we've really started hammering these principles. We've been emphasizing these a lot. And in particular, over the last year or two, we've really tried to continue to put this forward. And I believe God has been blessing us. He's been blessing his church directly as a result of trying to be faithful to the mission that he gave his church. So today I get to share with you what I have been able to compile that has happened over the last 13 months. And I want to give a disclaimer. This is probably not everything. And I'm so sorry if I missed something that you were a part of or that something that you know of. There's a good chance that I did. There's a good chance that there's a lot that I've missed. This is just what I could come up with relatively quickly over the last 13 months that has been accomplished by you, by us at Brevard Christian Church trying to be faithful to Jesus' mission. We have, and I'll read this off in case you can't see it really well. In Coco, we redid the classrooms in the kids' area. Spent a couple of weeks working there, and it's still in progress, but it's looking real good. A lot of you remember how pitiful the roof was. If you're over there, you'd see buckets out, drips coming in the, coming in the building. Well, we were able to get a whole new roof done over that building. We were also able to repair the roof at Coco. Wonderful. A lot of ACs fixed. A lot of ACs installed, which I think is very cool. Uh, we launched, they launched a missional cafe, and so many of you have been there. If you haven't been there, man, you need to go right after the service is over. Walk next door to that cafe. Not only is it so cool, not, as, not only is it so awesome what, what volunteers and what the youth group did when they came together to build that thing for our benefit, not only is that cool, but they have been making money and giving that money directly to missions, whether it be supporting the youth group for youth trips, but a lot of that money is going directly to places like Rafa International to help girls in, in trafficking, to, to help our foreign missions over in China, places like that. That money has been used from that cafe to do that, and it's so, so encouraging. That has happened the last... 13 months. Now, I have written down um, five county campuses. I don't remember if it's exactly four or if it's five, but the youth ministry here is involved in that many public schools. That's not easy. 
for a while, especially with COVID and everything, we were talking about, man, you can't get in there. There's no, well, the church here, the youth group has worked hard. Mike's been working hard with them to get in these schools through the students, starting campus clubs so that other, there can be a Christian presence on the campus. And it's student-led, it's teacher-sponsored so that it can grow organically and he can encourage that. It's been such a neat thing. Last I talked to him, five schools, public schools in the county. We had a meeting just a few weeks ago with uh, preachers that represented six area campuses, getting together in the cafe next door, just talking about what's going on, sharing our struggles, trying to build some greater unity, stuff like that I had not seen us doing before, and it's so, so encouraging to me. We had a successful praise night a while back. We had our fall festival. More than 200 people attended, and this is the first time we had done that. We had our summer fun day, which had more than 160 people attend. And I've seen, well, one of the things that didn't even make the list is when we did capture the flag just two days ago over in Cocoa, we did capture the flag. 70 people, at least 70 people we counted showed up for that. It was epic. It was fun. And a lot of people who had come to this summer fun day came back and came to that. It was so encouraging to me. The moms group has continued to flourish. And I asked my wife to give me some stats on that. Like, well, tell me, what kind of flourishing? I know things are good. Well, she gave me real numbers. She's better at counting than I am. That's why she does the budget (laughs) at my home, not at the church. At at my home, just just saying, (laughs) just so we're clear there. Um, 259 new people. We're talking moms, dads, and kids. In 2023 alone, 259 new people. 34 of them have visited this church. 13 of them attend regularly and are involved. 10 teens have visited youth group, and we've had five people baptized into Christ through the moms group in the last 13 months. The Amazing Race is the big event that we get to do with foster adoptive families. And man, 26 families, 147 participants, people throughout this county coming in to have a wonderful experience. But what encourages me is not only the community impact, but we had 95 volunteers to be able to pull that event off. 95 of us. That encourages me so much because, I mean, we're not like a mega church. We're not like got these pools and pools of people. You guys stepped up. We were able to accomplish something great. We continued with our parenting conference, which is an all-day seminar for, for trauma-informed parenting. Adoption support group for this county, still meeting here, still sponsored by BCC, and it's still happening each month. And a number of you are helping to watch kids for mom's group and for adoption group. We're so grateful for that because you're allowing this ministry, this help, this impact to continue. Care portal is something that I bet most of you don't even know about because it's all behind the scenes. This is an organization that helps uh, run a portal specifically for churches and for the system when it comes to adoption and foster care. So if you have, for example, someone in this county who, say mom got into drugs and she's, she's going to jail, and so the kids, they've got no place to go, so we'll say grandma is going to take the kids, but grandma doesn't have clothes. She doesn't have extra beds or anything. Well, a social worker, someone qualified, will get on Care Portal and they'll put the need out there and that'll get blasted to the area churches. And right now, my understanding is the number one uh, provider of that's probably going to be us. I don't want to misspeak, but it's likely because there aren't that many. So we get those needs and some of you have been involved in helping get a bed over to that house to meet. And that's what I like so much about this. It's not just, oh yeah, check the box, the needs met. No, We get to interact. We get to meet this family, talk with them, offer to help more if we can, and then get them the the things that they are needed. So they calculate the impact that we've had. 
over the year. Care portal themselves, they calculate how much did that bed cost, how much did these services cost, whatever it was you did. And so I was looking to see, all right, well, last 13 months, what was the impact? And here's what surprised me. We served 43 children, 43 children over the last 13 months, and the economic impact they gave, $35,882. That's what I thought. Wow. I didn't even know what was going on. That number, the sticker shock right there, $35,882 of impact that you guys, that God's church has been able to do here. We have various missions we were able to send forward to, to Samoa. We have kind of our in-house program, Dollars for Deeds, meeting needs behind the scenes. Gabe gave a little introduction today about his Indie International, the, the International Student Mission. We've got Rafa, which helps people in human trafficking. We supported India throughout the last year, and then we're switching over to support China as well. And I got to tell you, here's what's so cool to me is it's like, oh, okay, well, you can, you can support all kinds of missions, throw a few bucks their way, and then claim you support them. No, no, no. That's not what we do. Every mission gets thousands of dollars. That's the way it's done here. We don't support a ton of missions just to make our stats look good. Why? Because a missionary has got to travel and drum up, drum up support, and then you got to visit 100 different churches because they need, need every little dollar. Well, we make it so that when we support a mission, we support them a lot so that they don't have to spend a whole bunch of time going around looking for support. They can spend more time on the field actually reaching these people. Does that make sense? So what, that's what I find so cool is everything on this list is getting not in the hundreds, but it's getting in the thousands of dollars of support. Unity Prayer Partners, people, multiple people from various campuses around this county are meeting monthly to pray for the unity of God's church. And then last, but of course not least, just in the documentation that I heard for last year, 23 people, so that's every other week, a little more than every other week, someone is being baptized into Christ. And that isn't even counting uh, ones that got missed. I know there are four of them that happened in Samoa. There are five that happened over at Cocoa Beach. There are seven that happened in Titusville. There are seven others that happened in Cocoa. And I don't know how many happened in India or China, but I do know these people have been transferred out of the domain of darkness and in the kingdom of his son. These people are going to be in heaven forever. That is phenomenal. Do you see, you see the kind of impact we can have when we just simply be on mission to be his church? It's astounding. So today that's all I want to ask. Would you keep getting closer to Jesus? Would you stay on this path of discipleship? And I want to ask specifically, as we come to the Lord's Supper, and we remember the great sacrifice of Jesus to make all this possible, would we challenge ourselves, wherever we are, to take a step even closer to Jesus because we can see what he's doing in this world? even through a few hundred people here in Brevard. If you haven't already, really would like you to attend a 101 class so that when it comes to foundational teachings, we're on the same page. If you've already done that but you haven't joined a small group, man, love to have you try it out. I can talk with you, help you find one. I can, you can get online, brevardchristian.com, and see the groups that are offered there would really like, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's, it's challenging. People's schedules, this world, 
uh, personality differences. You got to fight through all that, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth the fight. Would you, for six months, try a small group? And if you're already doing that, whatever your next step is, whether it be stepping up, serving a little bit more, giving more, doing something, whatever you think Jesus in his word is asking for you to do, would you take that step? Because when we are God's church, the gates of the grave cannot prevail against it. Take a few moments to pause and reflect on what Jesus did and then on what you're going to do. And when you're ready, come to one of the tables around the auditorium and receive the Lord's Supper. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Brevard Christian Church Podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed. Do you want to take a next step? Shoot us an email at nextstepsbrevardchristian.com. We can't wait to connect with you. And until next time, grace and peace to you.